today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. A case out in B.C. concerning paying for private health care has had another negative outcome from the court. A three-judge panel with the B.C. Court of Appeal last Friday released a 142-page decision that ultimately sided with the B.C. and federal government's arguments that allowing private care would endanger the public system. The case was originally filed 13 years ago by Canby Surgeries Corporation founder Dr. Brian Day. And here's some of the background from Global News reporter John Huey. Opponents of Dr. Brian Day's legal challenge argued it was Canada's universal health care system on the table. Okay, let's bend. Claiming it was at serious risk if the Vancouver surgeon had his way. How do we make our system better in a way that benefits everybody, not just people who can pay to get ahead? After a lengthy four-year legal battle, the BC Supreme Court dismissed claims made by Days Canby Surgeries Corporation that current provisions around private surgeries and diagnostic tests are a violation of a patient's charter rights when wait times in the public health care system are too long. Essentially, everything that the plaintiffs had wanted was dismissed. In his ruling, Justice John Steves wrote, I have found that the impugned provisions do not deprive the right to life or liberty of the patient plaintiffs or similarly situated individuals. Patients are going to die as a result of this decision unless it's overturned. Justice Steves added there is a rational connection between the effects of the impugned provisions and the objectives of preserving the universal public health care system and ensuring access to necessary medical services is based on need and not the ability to pay. The court has endorsed a, a system in which the government's own data shows that 40,000 patients a year in B.C. are waiting past medically acceptable times. Doctors caught charging more for early access to procedures already covered by public medical insurance are subject to fines. But so far, court injunctions have prevented the province from collecting. We don't have a, t- a date to, to reintroduce uh, uh, those provisions, and we'll obviously be considering that. While opponents say it's time to move on and focus on improving the public health care system, Dr. Day is looking to resuscitate his legal challenge, if needed all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. John Hua, Global News. As we heard, it's a case that tests the very basics of universal health care in this country, particularly if it does go before the Supreme Court. Colleen Fuller is a health policy researcher at the Parkland Institute. She's a writer, and she's been studying the impact of privatization on universal health care. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thank you for inviting me. So for those supporting universal health care, this outcome may have produced a bit of a sigh of relief. Well, it it does, and I think that um, the reason that it, it produces that sigh of relief is because there are problems in our healthcare system that need to be addressed, and the challenge to the principle of universal access is beside the point. We really need to focus on the kinds of reforms that that are needed in the healthcare system to assure access, and not just access to existing. Um, services like hospitals and doctors, but a whole array of services that are blocked because people can't afford to access them. That is where the real problems are. Well, and and that was part of uh, what was behind 
the uh, the um, pr- premiers of the provinces, they got together last week, I think it was in BC, and they really want to press the government for more transfer payments for health care. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's that's the real crux of the problem here is that people are waiting too long in some cases uh, beyond what a doctor would say is a reasonable amount of time for you to start or get treatment for a situation for your health care um, and, and to force the government to pay more money so that they can lower those wait times. Well, wait times are a huge problem. There is no doubt about it. And they're not just a problem in Canada. This is a problem all through um, you know, Europe, uh, other countries with comparable economies to Canada. Wait times are a problem. What the evidence showed that was before the courts and the reason that the, the BC Supreme Court and the um, BC Court of Appeal ruled in favor of universal health care, basically, the evidence showed that private payment for health care creates longer wait times unless you have the money to jump the queue. And so we're not talking about $5 for a doctor's visit or even $500. We're talking about $20,000 to access a surgical table. We're talking about, um, you know, anybody who reads um, about private health insurance in the U.S. knows that that deductibles and and uh, co-pays are, are crippling Americans. These are, um, and they're the ones, they wait a long time to access healthcare because they can't afford it, even if they're insured. So the courts found that the argument that um, wait times would be improved with the, by giving people the ability to pay was just not upheld by the evidence. And that's because it's not. Um, the idea that access to healthcare should be based on need and not ability to pay is part of our identity. I mean, it's something when I travel to the States, it's something people bring up all the time. And there have been other attempts to put a, a thin edge in the wedge of universal health care. Um, I know that you probably have studied some of those. What are some of the other attempts that have been made? In in Canada? Yes. Um, to, I'm sorry, I, I missed the... Uh, that part of your question, attempts for what? Uh, attempts to uh, put a, a thin edge in the wedge of universal health care, attempts to privatize certain aspects of it. Well, I think that in the mid-1990s, there, the, this is where we began to see an, an aggressive push for more private options. And, of course, Dr. Day was one of the key people involved in that. And one of the uh, reasons that that happened is because injured workers were um, having to wait to get access to hospitals, uh, hospitals, um, especially if they needed surgery. And so governments began to try to figure out ways to expedite access for injured workers because it costs employers a lot of money to uh, continue to pay somebody who's not able to show up for work because they're injured. So, um, Brian Day and other, um, especially orthopedic surgeons, began to offer an option to workers' compensation systems so that they could bypass the hospitals and, um, and, and expedite those workers back to work. So that, that really was the thin edge of the wedge. And um, because the private surgical 
clinic owners who are making so much money, they thought, well, why don't we just do this for other people who are waiting to access care in the hospital system as well? From my perspective, one of the things that's happened is that these private surgical clinics have enabled governments to be lazy and to neglect their responsibility to make improvements in the public hospital system. And, and the cost of doing that is falling on the shoulders of people who are really, um, they're in pain, they're waiting to access healthcare that they need, and, and we're the ones paying for it. Those are the people who are paying for it. So I, I think that the court decision, not only, the court decision didn't say, the healthcare system is so wonderful, nothing needs to be done. What they said is that the um, individual right, which is protected in the Charter of Rights, the individual right to liberty and security of the person and so forth, is only protected when governments provide access to health care. The private sector cannot do that. And so, therefore, the, the governments should be impelled and, and pushed to provide those um, to provide that care to people. And it opens the door to advocates such as myself and the health coalitions across the country um, and, and many, many other people, including doctors. It opens the door to us to go to governments and say, look, this is what the court decision said. We demand that you improve the healthcare system so that people are not waiting in pain to access care. Well, this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, is whether the motive for this case is really more about a doctor who wants to be able to charge more and make more money, or about compelling the province and the federal government to improve funding to create better access and hopefully lower wait times. Well, one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have about this charter challenge was that Dr. Day was asserting the right of people to access health care without waiting a long time, that wait times were the problem and that if the if Dr. Day won, then wait times would decline. But that is not what this case was about. The, the wait time issue is an issue, but the charter challenge basically asserted that doctors have a right to charge patients to expedite care. That's what this case was about. It had nothing to do with, I mean, it had to do with wait times, but if, if it was, um, if Canby Surgery Corporation had won, wait times would not have been resolved, but doctors would have been able to charge patients for care. That's what it was about. So, um, so that has been put aside. The court said, no, the, um, if doctors charge patients, it will not address this issue. It will only allow doctors to, to make more money, basically. And so the, um, but that doesn't mean that the wait time issue is has disappeared. No, as you so pointed that, out earlier, um, if there are people who are able, people who have means are able to jump the queue, it can actually make the wait time worse for those people who are behind them in line. That's right. And so I, you know, the, the decision um, was in regard to the Medicare Protection Act in British Columbia. But the decision has an impact across the country. I know in Ontario there that there there are lots of problems in the healthcare system. Every province has problems. There's no doubt about it. And I'm hoping that 
that the decision, when we heard the decision, we've, we felt this surge of energy. We were so relieved. And um, Justice Steves of the BC Supreme Court, his, his decision is remarkable and it is ironclad, bulletproof, really. Um, so we felt a real surge of energy and optimism. And I'm hoping that that energy and opt optimism will be felt elsewhere in the country because we need people to begin demanding government step up to the plate and stop, um, you know, um, refusing to accept their responsibility and the mandate that they've got from the public to, pro to provide universal access to health care and not just hospitals and doctors. People already face um, financial barriers to accessing things like physiotherapy, which would help keep them out, uh, keep them off the operating table. So governments really need to start doing what they're mandated to do. Well, and as you mentioned, and anybody who's tried to access the health care system, universal health care is not a perfect system. Uh, and more of the problems have been highlighted or exacerbated by the pandemic. Yes, well, that really is true. And, and we certainly are are facing that everywhere in Canada right now. Um, you know, the, the um, pandemic has exacerbated uh, certain types of wait times. And I, I know that that many provinces have turned their attention to expediting those surgeries now that um, hospitals are more freed up. So I think that that's very important. Uh, I mean, our healthcare system is better than so many other countries, in, including the United Kingdom, which right now the NHS has been privatized, really, and crippled by by the uh, government there. And so we we are are fortunate that we have a healthcare system that where people are able to access physician care without paying for it and hospital care. So that's that goes without saying. I I'm every morning I wake up and thank my parents for moving to Canada when we were all young children, and the, and I mean I have diabetes. If I lived in, in the United States, I would really have a rough time there. I know that. So I'm I'm grateful, um, but I'm also now filled with a lot of energy and optimism, and and know that our governments have to be pushed to do the to do better. You know, it's interesting you say that, and, and I thank you for sharing your personal situation. Um, my husband has severe Crohn's disease. He's had four resections. He's had his gallbladder removed. He's been rushed to hospital in the middle of the night for uh, emergency procedures. I can't even begin to tell you the number of times that that has happened for him. And we have both said, you know, if we were living in the States, he'd probably be dead by now. Yeah. And, you know, it's in, in countries where... Uh, the push for privatization has been successful, he would have a rough time there too. I would as well. And, and it's worrying. And I'm, I'm glad that, that we've had uh, the Canadian people and, you know, governments will do what they need to do to get reelected. But really, this is, this is down to the people of Canada, making sure that our healthcare system is, is not completely destroyed. Um, Canadians have just remarkable tenacity, and and maybe it's because we have a bad example south of the border. I don't know if that's the reason why, but I I do know that I'm I'm glad to be Canadian. I'm 
I'm proud of Canadian people for being so tenacious in in insisting that our healthcare system has to remain universal. Yeah, Colleen, I wanted to get your um, reaction to something, because in Ontario, we just found out yesterday from the Financial Accountability Office report, taking a look at provincial spending, that the province underspent on health care by some $1.8 billion during the pandemic. And, and that was a number that I thought was really astounding, given what we're going through right now. Yeah, you know, this is unconscionable. You know, we hear governments always talking about how they have to support fossil fuel companies, you know, getting oil and gas and and so forth out of the ground in order to support healthcare, education and social services. But they're not supporting healthcare, education and social services and we still are getting fossil fuels out of the ground. Governments are completely hypocritical about this and Doug Ford is one of those people who has a lot to answer for. <laughs> and um, Ontario underspends uh, spends less than than most other provinces. I think almost all other provinces on a per capita basis, and um, and so it it's just incredible. There is a tremendous fight in Ontario against the Ford government's policies in healthcare, and um, I I really admire the the people who are leading that. But but uh, this is true in every province. Every province is under resourcing healthcare. I mean, look at the the healthcare workforce. They're exhausted. They're demoralized. They're depressed because of the lack of support from governments. And this is true in Ontario. It's also true in BC. Look what happened in long-term care. And this is because governments have underfunded and under-resourced a sector that old and vulnerable people rely on. And and so there there are this is a political issue but it's also a moral issue. And governments really have got to start doing what as I said they have a mandate to act in these areas and they should act on it or they should move aside. Has there been any indication as to whether uh, Dr. Day and uh, his lawyers are going to proceed to the Supreme Court? Um, you know, that's that's two strikes now in the B.C. court, but that's sort yeah. of what the Supreme Court's about. Well, he has vowed to go all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. I'm not sure he was expecting to lose in the B.C. Court of Appeal. Um, so um, I think it will be... It's you can't predict what will happen. I think that the Supreme Court is maybe weighing a couple of issues. One is that this is a matter of of national public interest. And so it uh, they may decide that it should be heard by the Supreme Court just for that reason. On the other hand, um, the uh, both the original decision by Justice John Steves and the decision by the BC Court of Appeal, these are very solid. There, there isn't a lot of, of opportunity to challenge these, um, either the BC Court of Appeal or the Steve's decision. And so the BC Supreme Court may say, we will not reach another decision. So there's no point in us agreeing to, to hear an appeal. You can't tell what direction things will, will go in. I feel, um, that it would be unfortunate if Brian Day and and his company decide to appeal to the BC to the Supreme Court of Canada. It's a it it sucks a lot of money out of the system, and it really um, we've been fighting this case since two thousand and nine, and it has um, had a 
really significant impact on our ability to fight for a better healthcare system because we've been fighting uh, Brian Day and his obsession with the right to bill uh, patients. And and so, um, but as I said, you can't tell what direction things will go in. Well, I guess when they make a decision as to whether or not it is going to be uh, sent to a higher court, uh, it'll be an opportunity for us to speak again. Well, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Colleen, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Colleen Fuller is a health policy researcher at the Parkland Institute, University of Alberta, and she's been studying the impact of privatization on universal health care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.